Good afternoon, or actually almost afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Friday Forum. It is Friday, September 16th, and September is already pumpkin spice season, and I can't even believe it. It's, uh, this year is going by so quickly, um, but I'm so excited about our guests today, um, and I'm so excited to have you all join us. Please, in the comments from whatever platform you're joining us from, tell us where you are. We always say that Silicon Valley is a state of mind, and I love to see guests from all our audience members from all over the country. Uh, like I said, we've got a great lineup. We've got our amazing moderator who I'm going to introduce. Uh, she is Vanessa Yanez. She is our president of the PRSA Silicon Valley, and she is a VP of Public Relations for the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco, uh, responsible for the bank's external communications and social responsibility teams and uh, serving the public and just promoting a healthy and sustainable economy. And prior to joining the SF Fed, she spent six years at HP and uh, a decade of advising brands, uh, very well-known brands like Visa and Fitbit and Dell and a number of technology and consumer clients while agency side. So without further ado, Vanessa Yanez. Hi, Karen. Thanks so much for having me. It's good to be here. And thanks for all you do in leading out and producing Friday Forum. Um, we do this, all of you out there on the internet. It is so good to see you all again. Um, want, want to hear from you, definitely in for if you're, if we're hearing from you on LinkedIn or Facebook um, or wherever you happen to be, uh, we look forward to chatting with more, uh, with more of you today. Friday Forum is something, as some of you may know, we've been doing uh, since the beginning of the pandemic. And I think we're somewhere in the neighborhood of about a hundred of these. Thanks to Karen Smythe uh, here at PRSA Silicon Valley, all volunteers doing it all for you. So pleased today to be talking about um, how someone very senior got to where she is. Um, Kathleen Shanahan is, I think she might even tell you that, um, Boca Communications, some of you, you may know, is uh, a digital PR agency delivering communications. I think that you you may, may know about Boca uh, from the work that they do and uh, so, so many, but what you don't know, maybe, is Kathleen's and how she got here to today how do you become a founder how that starts in your life what it what is it about about your life that makes you become and this is what we're going to talk about today everyone um so if you are joining us where you're coming in from i'm actually coming at you from the office that's a thing uh, but to be here again karen let's bring uh kathleen up Kathleen, um, we know you have a terrific story. Um, I'd like to hear that, but just just so, just so I can get framed up here. So California entrepreneurial, totally in the family, and I know this is a generational thing, right? Yep. Yes, yep. Very proud and, of my family. Exactly, Brad. Oh, I see people coming into the chat. Good to see you guys. 
Cal grad. Um, what, what, what art was your first love and you found your way into public relations being a digital agency. I mean, all, how does that all fit together? Must know. Start for you. How did, how, how, where should we start? And I would love, love to add your college experience. Let's, I want to hear about that. What happened to you when you, when you were in college? Um, well, I'm going to start with my dad always said it was really important to follow your passion, specifically when it comes to your academic and college career, because he would literally say to me, college might be the last time you're ever going to do what you love. Fortunately, I did not have that. I continue to love what I do because I got a degree in history and art history. And history is the power of storytelling and stories through be it medieval times, the times of the ancient Romans, the Greeks, you know, be it, you know, how coming to America, what have you. So I ended up getting my, a double bachelor's out of UC Berkeley in history. And then I stumbled on this little thing called art history when I was like, oh my gosh, it's history and pictures. And you know how pictures can literally declare what a society is doing at a specific point in time, which I think also then parlays nicely over to public relations because as PR professionals, we are storytellers and historians are storytellers of what has happened in the past. And then how do you correlate that into, you know, rationalization of those stories or, you know, um, embellishing those stories or however it is that you want to, you know, st state those stories. So very, very proud of my UC Berkeley roots. But something I'm equally proud of is, and, you know, I'm actually going to change my LinkedIn profile to showcase my pride, is um, I went to UC Berkeley via junior college. So I knew from a very young age, I was going to be putting myself through college. I knew that my parents had expectations that I was going to be a college educated woman. And I also, you know, knew that that was going to come at a cost. So I started my academic career at a, a place called Orange Coast College, which was the, I think it is actually the largest junior college in the entire, entire state of California. And then from um, junior college, I made my way in, at, to UC Berkeley, where I got to study two of my passions, art history and history, which, like I thought, I think parlays nicely into the career of public relations. So. So, so how did it work exactly? So, so you're in junior college to the end, and then you say, okay, I've got to go to Cal now. And this, what happened during that chapter? Um, well, you know, of course, if my dad had his way, I would have gone to UC Irvine because it was around the corner from where I grew up. But, you know, where do you want to go? I mean, first off, I knew I had to stay in the state system because I, I could afford the state system. So I was like laser like focused on going to to UC Berkeley. And, you know, I, I applied to all the different tier one universities and I wanted Berkeley because I want I literally again back to like I talk a lot about self-fulfilling prophecy and making decisions that you can in a very young age, I wanted to go to the number one UC academic institution in the state of California. And that was, you know, dovetailed that into the fact that I've always been, um, you know, socially that I just felt like it was the right place for me to go from being, you know, personally and then academically. 
And I also knew that when I was going to graduate from college, having that UC Berkeley was going to mean a lot, you know, and especially, you know, transferring from UC Berkeley, you know, transferring as a human adult into the city of San Francisco. I mean, go Bears, you know, go Stanford. That's those are the, those are the, there's other amazing schools as well, but those are the two top, top institutions academically. So, yeah. This is the part where I say, San Francisco State grad. Okay. Uh, <laughs> love state, love state. Only love. <laughs> okay. So, so you, you learned about sales during, during this time. Cal, you learned about sales in college. Um, I mean, I would say my career in sales started way before college. I mean, people, I, I mean, I think we're all born naturally a certain way and we can learn other ways, but we're born certain ways. And I was, I was, again, I was born a storyteller. I was born someone that likes to do sales. You know, I told you one of those stories, I'd come back from college and I'd wait tables at this little sports deli. And this is really going to date myself. And there would be a Zima, Anyone who, you know, remembers the 80s and the 90s, that Zima was the big thing. And there'd be like a Zima competition. Who could sell the most amount of Zimas? And I would be sure that I like sold all those Zimas so I could get, you know, whatever bonus there was, whatever quota, because I enjoyed it. Like I just really, I mean, I don't want to sell something to someone that they don't need it. Like there's an ethical balance of sales. And I'd like to say I walk that ethical balance. But, you know, sales is, I, I, I enjoy sells. I, 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 I enjoy the whole, the whole process of customer service, client service, and getting people what they want and what they need. And, you know, it just, it came to me instinctually, at, even as a child, you know, I, re I remember growing up on this little island and I started a girls club and it was Babel Island Girls Club. And I, of course, appointed myself the CEO and, you know, and I talked kids into being women, young women to be part of this club and even put in a donation so we could make our way to Disneyland. It just was a natural fit for me. And I loved it then. And I still love it today. That's one part of the equation. You've mentioned your family a few times already. I think I heard you talked about your dad and I'm sure your mom figures very strongly into the story of family members. How does this purpose then fit in? Because I know that that is of how, how you think, your sort of your paradigm. Um, how does family? Because recommendations are one thing, sales is one thing, but what is this? And, and is it related to your family? You, you broke up just a little bit, I apologize, but I think we're talking about um, the importance of family to me as I bring it into my personal life and into my, right? Is that correct? So, um, I mean, so, I mean, family kind of what you got and sometimes you hate them and sometimes you love them. The, the thing about family is that they're supposed to ideally be by your side all the time. And, you know, you could, and, and families come in so many different forms, by the way, that's probably like why one of my favorite shows is Modern Family. You know, family is what you make it. And so, yeah, I have, you know, an incredible, I have incredible, a father that was an entrepreneur, a business builder, 
And, you know, he built low-income homes specifically for migrant workers in the Inland Empire area. Like, I mean, talk about just an amazing man that really wanted to provide, you know, how, I mean, we're also dating again, Carter administration. So you think Habitat for Humanity. My dad was a big believer in Habitat for Humanity and providing housing and the ability for people new into this country to, to own, like everybody, you know, you want to own that home at some point. And then you've got my mom, who is an immigrant, you know, she's a, I'm going to say something politically incorrect. She is a fresh off the boat. She came through Ellis Island. Like she literally was on a boat, came through Ellis Island and made her way from South America into the United States of America. So I've got one, I've got my father, who's an entrepreneur that is amazing, wanting to make sure that migrants and immigrants coming into this country are well taken care of, you know, and just, you know, which I think brings a sense of compassion for myself. And then I've got my mom on the other hand, who truly is immigrant. And she'll still say to this day, you can come to the United States of America with nothing. And if you're willing to do the work and figure it out, you absolutely can make yourself something. You can't have a chip on your shoulder. You've been willing to pay your dues. And if you pay dues and you do the do do right by you and do right by others, you, I mean, you can do anything in this country. Like you, you really can, everybody out there, you really can. <laughs> I'm highly passionate about that. So I had, you know, these two parents with completely different backgrounds, but you know, I altruistically really forced the concept of self-fulfilling one's destiny through hard work, you know, ethics and, you know, working the system. You know, I worked the system by going to junior college. I, by the way, just for everybody out there, I think I was a solid C student in high school. Like I didn't even try in high school. I was like, why? Why? I was a girl sitting in the back. Like I didn't need to try in high school. I'm not going to Stanford. I knew I wasn't going to go to Stanford. I know I knew I wasn't going to go to San Francisco State. I was going to junior college, Orange Coast College. And then when I got to OCC, I was like, okay, it's time to get straight A's, Kathleen. Pull your stuff together and make it happen. So year was that? Because that, that's a that's an important one because that's like a big shift in the way you remember like what what class year you were in and like, was it like right at graduation? You're like, did you feel like there, there was a shift? I would say that I genuinely, and this is my truth. I'm sorry. I genuinely did not care about high school. I like, it was just something to get me through what I had to get through to the next level. Um, I didn't really pay attention to what people thought of me. I just, again, marched my own drumbeat. And the day I graduated from college, I, or excuse me, from high school, you know, and I, I also have no um, shame in standing in lines is what I call it. You know, I knew I was going to go stand in those lines and go get those 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 grants, those Pell grants. I was going to fill out for those student loans, which I'm sorry, I'm going to say this, which I paid all my student loans back. I know that's a big source of conversation in today's climate, but I um, I got my student loans. I stood in line for my student loans. I got myself in a junior college. There's a very high dropout rate in junior college. I made sure not to go move in with my friends that were 18 years old, spending all this money in rent. I lived for free at my parents. I waited tables. I went and got my straight A students, my straight A's. And the moment I could get into, you know, a, a, a four-year institution, I, I did it. And I did, you know, patience, patience is very important.
Okay, so let's talk about studies because this leads next graduation. So you're studying art now. And what happens? Um, so I get my degree, a, a BA, double bachelor's in history and art history. Again, love storytelling, love arts. And I, I thought I was going to get a and I, I'm going to share this one too, because I think it's important for people to know this. I, um, I thought I was going to get a go work in furniture and decorative arts. So the people from San Francisco, there's a, a Butterfield in Butterfield. It's, you know, on those of, what is it? The, you know, what is it? The, whatever the big New York. So I, I, I got it. Huh? Sorry. So I, I started I, to say Sotheby's. Christie's. So I quickly, I land at Christie's and I, I, I very learn, realize it is not a cultural fit for me. And I, I personally, I, anyone who's in arts, I love it. So great that you do that. I was not thriving. I didn't enjoy it. There was no, um, I mean, I'm going to say the thrill of the kill. There was no thrill of the kill for me. Like I genuinely love sales and I love telling stories. And when I say the thrill of the kill, like when I was that account executive getting that article in the New York times or the wall street journal, or I'm going to date myself again, interactive week, um, info world, like that was how I got my high as a, as a professional and the Butterfields didn't satiate that. So, and I, I had told you this story as well. I, the day I was walking in my cap and gown at Berkeley, I was walking down Telegraph Avenue and I stopped at a tarot card reader and I had already, uh, p things around PR were already um, circle, circling me. It was already kind of happening organically through people and conversations and I stop at the tarot card reader and I say, you know, I want to know about love. And then I looked at her and I said, do you know what? Actually, I'm young. I don't care about love. Love is going to come. Like I need, I need a career. Like I need something to do with myself. And another thing, my father's wisdom, always look for a career. A job is a job. A job doesn't really get you where you need to be. A career gets you where you need to be. So be it if it's, and Eric Trost on the line, you'll appreciate this. Chart House, the Chart House Assistant Management Program champ. My dad's like, well, if you're going to work at a restaurant, then you better go down the champ program. Chart House Assistant Management Program. You need a career, Kathleen. And um, so I, I tell the tarot card reader, I, you know, I'm looking for a career. And out of the blue, she tells me about Blanca Notis and that she had done an internship at this tier one PR agency in San Francisco that catered to B2B brands, you know, in Silicon Valley. And, you know, I, I, I took that information. I went, I got the job at Butterfield and Butterfield, whereby I was fired within 90 days. And I also like to share that because people on the line, if you get fired, it's okay. It doesn't mean the end of the world. So it was night, you know, 90 days is back when you'd get your medical and dental. There was no medical and dental day one. So I think I was, I was fired on day like 88 and I'm okay. I was like the best thing that ever happened to me being fired. I was already like not feeling it. I knew it wasn't the right thing for me. And I remember thinking, you know, that woman, that young woman doing the tarot cards reader talked all about Blanca Notice. The next day I put my resume at Blanca Notice. Within a couple of weeks, I was an intern, you know, fast forward 20 plus years. I now own my own PR agency and, you know, I'm, I'm not Blanca Notice, but I'd say I'm no different than Blanca Notice. 24 years more progressive now.
So who a lot would have known? <laughs> who would have known that would have not just life advice, but literal job actionable? That's impressive. <laughs> so, so just so I'm clear, that had interned at that agency, had interned at Blanca Notice. I loved my internship at Blanca Notice. I, the best of the best came out of Blanca Notice. Out, out of Blanca Notice, people living out of Blanca Notice are agency owners. So I had an incredible internship at Blanca Notice. And of equal importance, I had mentors. and showed me the and one of them her name was Lisa Copas and I you know anyone who really knows me I do have a potty mouth every once in a while but I'm not going to do it on this line but she basically turned me into her girl you know she put me on every of her accounts so she was a you know director borderline vice president she was mentoring me no ifs ands or buts she was teaching me how to do everything and she was a little tough love never really never mean but she told me when I did something wrong and that is a good mentor like you know not the world is not fairy dust and and, and rose petals and something I do miss about dare I say it the old-fashioned days and I'm going to say her name Tara Dugan at Schwartz when people would write a press release she would print it out and with a red marker she would mark up the entire press release and take it back to the staff and tell tell them that they had to re rewrite it, and she left five five things out that they had to find. Like that's how it was done back in the day. Like that's 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 called schooling. Like that. And for anybody here at Boca, you should appreciate anybody that schools you that way because it will only make you a better, smarter, stronger professional. Or I mean, I looked at my time in agencies as as really, I mean, it's, it's, that is really helpful. And I, you know, I, your experience like that and not impacting how you run your agency today. I mean, it's just, it, I, the level of education that you get, I important it is school is important, but yeah. agencies work experience and and um, and I see David Vosbrink asking the question. So should all, all new grow readers? <laughs> they shouldn't find a tarot card reader. They should find an agency that has a really strong intern program that is a cultural fit. Because most intern programs, you're going to learn the same thing. You know, the who, what, where, when, why, how to build a media list, what a press release is, like. I would hope that every agency that has an intern program does that. What's important, and this might actually go back to the concept of family, is finding a real cultural fit where you feel that you can do something wrong and you're not going to get in trouble. You're going to, you know, you're going to learn how to do it better or, you know, just it, it's interesting. You just you've got to find a cultural fit and a, and a great program that's going to take you, you know, from intern to you know vice president one day and that's the beauty of public relations it's truly an incredible career path so a couple things had internship um one of them is you know people really bring you along just told about um i think 
she was a senior director that sort of t- sort of taught you the ropes, or at least you yes. know you looked up to her way uh, to this, which I think is very interesting and especially um, really topical now. And technology became of interest to you. Talk to us a little bit about how you were and what got you what got you excited about really diving into that area today and and not just in from a coverage area but more in like how to, is that right um i again you're breaking up a little bit so i want to make sure i understood the question but is it's kind of like what dri- what drives me or what drives the interest in the work correct correct okay. so interest in the work a little bit about why you moved into technology? Um, well, I mean, the easy answer for technology is that, you know, San Francisco Bay Area is an industry town. And our industry is predominantly, you know, as my father would say, there are no universal statements, Kathleen. So it's predominantly technology. So, you know, graduating from college and then making my way into Blanc and Otis high tech was the natural default of, of where I, of where I went into, you know, fast forward. I mean, technology is amazing. It's incredible. I mean, it touches our lives every single day and where Boca is what we call a B2B enterprise tech agency. We talk all about B2B to C because every B2B company ultimately is touching some consumer in some fashion, be it, be it if it's, you know, Zenefits selling to the HR director or the chief, you know, HR officer, but ultimately it's impacting the employee or, you know, Gusto or, you know, Bank of America, knowing that I can get my, my, I can transfer money wherever I want to be. So, so technology, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's what drives the world. It's our infrastructure. It's, 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 it's our everything. So I, I just think it's really, really, really interesting Personally, I, I I like for me selfishly. I also really like healthcare and med tech. Consumer does nothing for me. I've never been a consumer person. Like the, the idea of selling a toy like that doesn't fulfill me that as as an individual. And that's why you know we, we we've played around in the past having a consumer arm, but we we the word is we played with it and we decided to walk away from it because it just. I don't know, but there, for me, there just wasn't enough there there. And um, so technology, I mean, a, it's, it, it is the industry predominantly of, of the San Francisco Bay area. And it's just, it's, it's interesting and it's changing all the time. And I mean, talk about, you know, job stability. Yes. Recessions come go. Yes. Right now we're le- reading in the newspapers and the headlines that there's, you know, layoffs, what have you, but, but B2B enterprise tech. And I go as far as also like healthcare and med tech are fairly resilient compared to other industries. So it's just, it's a strong industry. And um, kind of a fun story from my Blanc and Otis days, and I'm not sure where it fits, but it, but to me, I just was blown away when we did this campaign at BNO, and Xerox had hired Blanc and Otis, so it was Xerox's small business arm, and we we on Mondays we would have these group meetings and we talked about a case study. 
And so Xerox had hired Blanca Notice and Blanca Notice was going with this small to medium business computer entity that was family friendly. So it was, you know, B to B to C. And um, they, Blanca Notice ended up hiring a therapist, a psychologist, and they came up with this entire concept and campaign around the mouse potato playing off the couch potato. And, you know, is your tile becoming a mouse potato? And then this therapist, dare I say it, armed with the messaging and information around how, lo and behold, the Xerox small business was family friendly. It was about school. It was about family projects and how it created engagement within the family and friend circle. And then that, that psychologist went on USA Today, Good Morning America. We did a broadcast feed. It was all over the national news stations. And that, to me, was the first time I really, you know, I'm like, what, 20, young 20s? I saw the power of public relations, the power that this, this narrative came out of a corporation by hiring a creative public relations agency to come up with this narrow of the couch potato and I, I just thought that was, you know, I just thought it was incredible. And, it, and I'm going to use the word manipulative, and I don't love that word. But at the end of the day, you know, PR is about influencing behaviors and, you know, buying behaviors. And I'm going back to I prefer to be altruistic and positive. And I would personally rather be using a computer with my family versus my child just being a mouse potato. So it also resonates with me as a mom. But that to me was just an incredible power of, of PR. Yeah, the creativity, the creativity, the creativity. I just changes your life. Uh, I can certainly attest to that. Um, good chat. Thanks to Judy Cushman, also one of our board members. Can you talk more about culture that works so well for you? What I, what I know about you, this is me, parallel about you is that you're honest, direct, and clear about how you feel. You appreciate that that, that is not what goes over in some firms. Oh, gosh, right. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wasn't in a sorority. And I, all those people that are in sororities, just so you know, I really want my daughter to go to a four-year, my daughter's to go to a four-year university so they can have the experience. And, you know, I kind of want them to be in a sorority also. I do. My experience at Blanca Notice actually, from a culture perspective, wasn't positive. It was very, um, it was very clicky. And I don't like clicky. I don't do well with clicky. I don't like, I, I, I would say if anything at Boca, well, we might have title, title structure, which I'm not even really a big fan of title structure. Um, when we started Boca, our titles were consultant, senior consultant, founder. That was it. I didn't even have titles, but I was forced to have titles because people do want to know their career path. So um, Judith, to answer your, your question, I think that honesty, I think that um, lack of high, like people need know a hierarchy, but I say this in meetings all the time. You know, I'm 50. Kayla, if you're on the line, you're so much better at social media than I am. Like she is. Like she's smarter than I am and she's younger than I am. Like we can all learn from something. So like the, 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 the clicky cultures 
don't do well for me. The the we talk a lot about inclusive. I think I've been inclusive my entire life, and when people are not inclusive, it really hurts my feelings and me mad. So I think you know before the the DEI movement, I'd say Boca was already skewing was already inclusive. It's just how we are as an organization. And yeah, there are firms that are out there that are clicky and that are, you know, girls clubs and that are like run a little bit like, you know, 1990s sorority houses. Like that's not, that's not our jam at Boca Communications. I think that that's passe. And I think that most firms that have or had that kind of culture are working to change it because it's just not how we operate. And I want to say again, like nothing against sorority it probably would have done me good. I wouldn't have gotten as much trust I did at Berkeley because I got in a lot of trouble. Um, but it's it is what it is. <laughs> uh, I'm just gonna leave that one right there. Had to see if you yeah, want to leave that one, that one further. <laughs> <laughs> so a little bit because you had um, you had sort of an aha moment. It looks like your MSNL after that. And what happened? Oh, so I can only do what the internet can let me do. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, there was a hiccup. Okay. So I want to, so you're at MSNL after this. Is that right? Oh, right? And yes. <laughs> tell us, tell us a little, little bit about your experience. Um, I think you I want to get specific here because of our audience. Our audience is all levels and they, they are executive account executive. I mean, we, we heard, heard about you as an intern. I feel like we're, we're just going up the steps here. Tell um, as you're, you're, you're at this SAE level. Um, you know, so when you're young, you're wanting to explore and figure out where you belong. Like that's where it all comes down to. And I have a natural international spirit just inside of me. And I was, I thought, oh, well, first off, let's also step back. My mentor went to MSL. So when my mentor left Blanc and Otis, which was a really big girls, girls club back in the day, I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Where do I belong? Like my, 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 my lady, she's leaving me. So I followed my mentor to Manning MSL. Back then it was Manning Selvage and Lee. Now it's MSL. And, uh, and so I followed my mentor to MSL, but one of the selling points of MSL was this international global conglomerate as an agency. And not only were they an international global conglomerate, that means you're, and these are things that God bless that I actually thought this way at an SAE level, because I, I don't think it is common. And I think it's probably because of my parents. I was, oh, you know, that means you're beholden to this little thing called Wall Street. There's a holding house. There is a mothership that owns the firm. And if the mother on Wall Street is having poor financials, that means all their children scattered, scattered throughout the world are going to have to be paying into those financials. So here we are in San Francisco. My mentor was hired to create a B2B tech division. And I thought it was more known more as a consumer and a healthcare house. And we crushed it, man. And I, and I was like, and we were like, it's not like we were a startup within MSL. We were winning new business. We were bringing on accounts. First off, like, 
a lot of holding houses, no offense to you holding houses. And if you want to pay me on the side as a consultant, I will gladly take your money. They don't know what to do with Silicon Valley. Like there's not a lot of HPEs and oracles out there. The bread and butter is predominantly the, the Sandhill Road, you know? So it's like, how do you work with those disruptors? So, so I was really upset at management and leaving. There was no international opportunity the way they positioned it. The my growth actually stagnated because New York wasn't doing well. And, you know, I just was like, well, wait a second, but me as an individual, I'm doing really well. And this was like Silicon Valley was doing well. New York wasn't doing well. Like when Silicon Valley is doing poorly, it's usually all of Silicon Valley because that's how we are. We're up, we're medium. I mean, we're never horribly down, but we're down. So my experience at MSL was that I didn't get the international exposure that I thought I was going to get. And on top of that, the people from New York would come in and they'd literally walk the office and I'd look at them and I'd be like, okay, can you like actually just go back to the East Coast? Because I kind of don't want you here. No offense. Don't hate me, East Coasters. I love the East Coast. But um, I just, they, they just, they didn't mesh culturally. They didn't understand B2B enterprise tech. They didn't understand startup culture. And um, yeah, I just, I, it, it did, it wasn't a fit. And that's when I was quickly realizing that I liked the Blancanotuses of the world, other than the, 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 the girl culture. I, I like the boutique. I like being able to own my destiny. Like, and I want to know that if I'm going to get a great New York times placement, that I'm going to be bonused on it, you know? And I, I think that's important. And, and I, and that I can define my career a little bit more. So I hope people from Boca feel like that we've created that for you. And I think that there's a lot of incredible boutiques in San Francisco that are also have a foothold into the, to the East coast. And I love the East coast. I'm also just hardcore Californian. So um, I don't know, I'm talking in circles a little bit there, but my experience at MSL made me realize how much I enjoyed more of that B2B enterprise ability to own my own. Own your own career, own your own destiny. And that happens more when you can be part of something that's a little bit smaller and grow it than a massive entity that Whatever the consumer market's doing poorly. That. So, all right. It, this <laughs> is really helpful because I think it with, with all of the decisions now that you're making on behalf of your experiences leading you to where you are now. So, what happens after this? Do an in-house stint after that, and then. And you go back I loved again. Wind River. I went, yes. I went to Wind River and um, it was an amazing experience. We're actually working with the CEO of Wind River right now, Ken Klein, with his company Presidio, um, HR Tech. And um, Wind River was phenomenal. It was a mid sized publicly traded company. I went in during the Great Recession, which was also awesome. Like, there, it's super fun to actually be in a session and make it through. You can truly like build a brand and, and make incredible decisions, you know, to help that brand through like crises, you know, like I'll never forget, like I'm at Wind River, the company had dumped 70% of its business into the networking business unit. We're in 2000, again, dating ourselves, 2004 networking went into the tank. And, you know, we then 
worked with the company to talk through multiple lines of business, the product, the product team completely organized by different business units. We create, we created PR programs to support these business units, car infotainment, aerospace and defense, consumer electronics. It was just like, it was incredible. It was international. I got to travel the world. And then, you know, I do say things that come off as not very nice sometimes, and I don't mean it. But I was, I love her. I love the founder, Jerry Fiddler. Him and I are very good friends. He is a god as far as I'm concerned. Genius. Um, but I would sit in these meetings with people that could not make a decision for the life of them. And I would just sit in these meetings and I, I started calling it navel gazing. And this is where, you know, a brand, we call it savvy. You're super strategic, but you can't make a decision that you're going nowhere. If you're highly tactical and can get it done, but you don't understand why you're not doing something, that's also a little bit of a concern. I really think that you can usually teach tactical people strategic business. Sometimes I'm not sure if you can teach super, super strategic people how to actually get stuff done. And that's why they usually need people around them that are the doers. All good. We all are different types. And when I was at Wind River, this is, again, your soul searching who you are and what you are. I started getting bored. It didn't matter over multi, multiple business units. And this is where I pretend about like ADHD. Like when you're at an agency and I would tell my mom, okay, I'm going to go from Borland. Okay. Then I'm going to go over to this client. And then I'm going to go to this client. And you're just, you're able to, you know, pop around different technologies, different clients, different personalities. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm definitely, I'm an agency person. I enjoy, and I love Wind River. I also didn't enjoy being in those meetings. Like I'm not the, I, I, you can sure I'll go into those meetings as your PR consultant and sit, sit in them. That, that's normally when I'll, you hire an agency for strategy, but then to go get it done. And for me, that's the fun. Like strategically, how are you going to create the mouse potato? And then how are you going to go execute that? And drive results like that's fun like that's fun and you get that in-house by the way and there's a lot of people in-house on this phone and i and i have a lot of friends in-house and i get it but for me personally agency was better so now as i'm defining through my career i'm realizing i'm liking the boutique i'm liking controlling my destiny i'm i'm liking being able to move all around and I'm liking to feel like I'm part of a family and I'm really part of a tribe in a village. And, you know, I, I got that. I'd say if anywhere I got that Schwartz communications, which some of the top owners, Ink House, Schwartz, Highwire, just infused with a bunch of cash yesterday, Schwartz, Launch Squad, beyond Schwartz, but like, my best friends came out of Schwartz and a lot of my best friends are agency owners and I'm incredibly proud of them. It was awesome. Like my experience at Schwartz was awesome. Well, you, you know, it's interesting correlation between you starting your own business and the time we're in right now. The economy is, you know, uncertain. There's a lot of uncertainty out there, but, but you don't... So uh, I'm seeing some questions in the chat that are that are excited to hear you tell your story about how did you make this leap then? Just start. It was a tenuous time when you did. 
tell us a little bit more about what it was like to start your business. There's actually one more question before before we end. Um, do you want to want to ask, ask the question, the other question, or do you want me to answer about start. starting? Just a couple minutes left. What was it like to start? Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So I always have stories to every story. So first, I'm a natural entrepreneur, and I bought Bokeh Communications hand when I was at Schwartz Communications. I already had bought in the URL, thinking one day I'm gonna have my own firm. I want to take everything that I learned from the best and the worst of the worst and to start my own firm. I wasn't ready to start it today, tomorrow, but I knew I wanted to start it. Um, at Schwartz, they, they there was a big was a cultural fit at Schwartz. All my amazing, beautiful vice president women, and they were pushing a different culture and a different agenda that did not sit with Kathleen Shanahan. So, you know, when, when you, when you have someone, the office manager walking out at 845 in the morning, you're sitting in your seat doing your job. That's, that's not Boca. We don't, we don't operate that way. Like I know if you're working or not, trust me, like we all know you're working or not. So Schwartz, I bought my own URL knowing that like, it wasn't going to what something was happening. So then I went to Eastwick where I love Barbara Bates. She is a goddess. I call her like the grand dame of PR. She is someone that I love and I consider her a mentor as well. But um, I was the newest vice president and I had already was feeling a recession coming on. And when you're a vice president, your job is not just to set strategy. It's to manage a book of business. Like I need to be managing X, Y, Z in revenue for me to hold my weight in my salary. It's just, that's where you're not just doing PR. We're now running a business. And there's this little thing called a P&L, profit and loss, that goes along with all businesses that you don't see when you're, I'd say, even director or below. It's you see it, you become much more aware of it when you're a vice president. And my sister called me, who's in the housing industry. She's amazing and also owns her own business. And she literally said, Kathleen, you better be in a 30-year fix. The housing's about to like tank. It's tanking. The world is coming to like get ready. And I thought, okay, Kathleen, you're single. You have not a lot of expenses. You're the most recent vice president ever hired at Eastwick. I will be the most recent fired vice president at Eastwick. And they're going to get hit because that's what's just going to happen. Nothing wrong with them. Eastwick's done nothing wrong. No firms have done nothing wrong when there's a recession. It's just a macro economy at play. And um, I, I contacted Barb. I said, can I be a contractor? She said, no problem. She was probably elated to get my six-figure salary off the books. <laughs> Medical dental. Bye-bye. <laughs> And I, I started Boca, my URL, Boca Communications. We have a whole other story about the name, but I talked to my mom, Buenos Aires, La Boca, play on words. And my mom's like, go start your own thing, Kathleen. Go, go take care of yourself. Go get your bills paid for because you will be fired. And my sister's like, go, go get out, go survive, go, go survive yourself, Kathleen. Go, go take it on yourself. So I was highly encouraged by my family. I owned a condo in San Francisco. I was scared to death. 
I rented out my, I'm a big boater. If anybody who knows me, I love boats. I had a boat in San Francisco. I was paying nothing. The boat was paid for. I bought the boat with my first ever thing called profit. Very cheap, not for cheap, just so you know, I'm cheap. So um, I moved onto my boat and I brought my overhead down to $550 a month when I started Bokeh Communications. And I moved onto a boat, let some other human being, before there was Airbnb, before there was Uber, I let some other human pay for my condo and pay for my mortgage. I started Boca and I decided to build a super flexible, nimble business from the get-go. I didn't care where you were, what you did. I knew if you worked, I knew if you didn't work. And um, it was scary, but it was a lot safer than staying in an agency where I probably would have been fired. And then I lose back to, I would lose control of my life. So I took my life, I put it in my hands and I created my own destiny and started Boca. Okay, we've got time for, because I, I think this is absolutely related because all of those choices are based on experiences. And so Judy Cushman is back. She has another question. How do you firm that reflects the values that matter so much to you? Like, like every day has been about your, your value. Tell us a little bit more about how do you maintain that's based on what you started with and, and has it evolved? I'm going to build on your question, Judy. Yeah. Um, uh, so to answer your question, I think values need to be completely embedded into an organization. And I think that we've done that with Boca and even, you know, like there's two authenticity, creativity, family, passion, savvy. I've actually gotten a little bit of slack recently with the concept of family from an outside consultant, not slack in a negative way, but people are perceiving family. It could be viewed different ways. When I think of family, I think of like moderate. It doesn't mean your mother and your father. It means the people that you love, the people you surround yourself with. So, you know, we, and I would say we embed our values into what we do. And, you know, when it comes to tough conversations, I'll even, I'll tell you know, the directors on the line, the vice presidents that are having tough conversations, you know, authenticity is a core value. And for me to be authentic, I need to really tell you the truth that I don't agree with what you're doing because it is our job as consultants to actually disagree with our clients sometimes and to push on them. And we need to weave our values into our overall message structure because that's the way we can be true to ourselves as an organization and as people. And, you know, back to savvy, you know, I, I get that that's a really great idea. How are we going to execute on it? Like, is that idea tangible? So I, I'd say we just really, really look to, and we look to bring people in the organization that, you know, we feel have similar values. And by the way, it's okay not to all have the same values, like it's okay to be different. We are different. Just, you know, as long as we're, my biggest thing is be kind and be respectful. Like be, and sometimes if you're being a little rude, like I come off as ass sometimes, like I'll, I'll be like, I'll literally tell people I'm not mad. If you hear the tone of my voice, like I'm not mad. It's just kind of how I am. Like I'm just overly enthusiastic and loud and crass at times, but like, don't like, please know I'm not mad. So it's just, I don't know if that answered it. I hope, I hope this Certainly. was a value. Huh? <laughs> I said, Judy will answer <laughs> if it wasn't answered. <laughs> so 
I was kidding when I said just second to last question. So what, what advice do you have? Quick. We didn't plan for this one. What advice for us? I mean, love who and what you are. Um, love a firm that's going to make you elevate in your career and be a, a bigger, stronger, better professional. And also, like, be happy, you know? My mom, one life. We have, she just turned 86, by the way, yesterday. And I'm, I came to visit her because I spent every birthday with her. But um, be happy. Be around people that are good. Be in an organization that you believe in. Do you believe in their product? You believe in their values, you know, and have fun while you're doing it. Life's too short not to have fun. And if you're not having fun at Booka, voice it up so we can make you have fun and, you know, make sure that we're, your, your career and your plate is being filled with, you know, getting yourself to the next level. Wonderful close. And founder, Boca Communications, thank you for joining us today. Karen's up to tell us what to expect. I know that the the team is working on media predicts already. That's right. Everybody save the date. December 6th is our media predicts. And we're going to be in person after a couple of years. So get to see everybody's faces and everything. It's going to be like real. Can't even believe this. But uh, so happy. So stay tuned. Pay attention to our social channels. We'll have all the details. And um, so next week, we've got a panel from the PRSSA of San Jose State. That's going to be a lot of fun, I think. And uh, that's September 23rd. And then on the 30th, we've got our Friday Forum all about salary negotiation. Definitely something everybody can learn from. So um, thank you, Vanessa, for joining us today. Such a treat. And Kathleen, I loved everything you say. Be happy. I swear. That's so simple. Yes, I absolutely love that. So everybody have a wonderful weekend and we'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you very much.